Hey, listener, just really quick, wanted to apologize for the audio quality on my audio on this recording. There was some kind of software update that we ran right before we recorded this, and it changed the playback speed or the the recording speed on my voice to something crazy. We had to try to rescue the recording, and there's still a little bit of distortion in there that's not usually there. All of our recordings after this seem to be okay, so... Just know that this recording, my audio, maybe not the best, not the best quality that we like to bring you, but it is gone in future recordings. So thanks for understanding. There's dangers all around us. And whether you like us or not, we may be all that stands between you and the abyss. I don't like you. Your attitude stinks. Thank you. That makes me feel much better about our relationship. So, you think of me as something bright and cheerful, full of toys and candy for young children. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of strangers who are now friends and are getting to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today I get to ask Jafer, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? I've, I believe I've alluded to this on podcast a couple of times. I don't know if I've really gone into it. So I figure it might be a good time to go into it, given my, my pup is in the room with me right now, uh-huh. kind of anxiously staring at me. She's had a rough couple of days Oh no! for her anxiety. It's been very windy here. Yeah. I have a dog like that. <laughs> yeah. New house. It's well, it's not a new house, but it's a new house for her, and it's creaky right. compared to the old one because I've got so much more space. Mm-hmm. My old house was very close to all of my neighbors' houses, so there wasn't a lot of wind that made it through. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm on an open street with a big front yard and a big backyard, so it's creakier. But that has nothing to do with what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is dogs. I train dogs. Oh, fun! My dad trained dogs to be pointers he trained bird dogs to be pointers this is like a hobby he did he was not professional but it is something that he did for most of my childhood yeah the pointing is really interesting yes yeah teaching a dog to point is a whole thing he had a like fishing rod with a feather attached to it and he would train dogs with that you know like hold it out there and then how to react when it moves and stuff and all that It was like one of his techniques. So training dogs, it's something I grew up around and something that I definitely learned a lot about as a kid and teenager, kind of like helping dad out sometimes. So I train dogs. Is there a favorite trick that you've trained a dog to do? I'm not really big trick training. Like I'm surprising no one, I'm sure, who's listened to any amount of episodes of this podcast. I'm very utilitarian. So, like, my dog, Puff, she knows all her vocal commands, and she is also whistle-trained and hand-signal-trained. So, I I have a series of hand signals for go, come here, whoa, lay down, sit, all that stuff, all the basics that she knows all of these hand signals for so I can command her without her being able to hear me. That's something I did with her because she is a all-white pit lab. <laughs> And everything I read online 
is tells me that this dog is going to go deaf. Yeah, that's a, a gene or something that has a lot of hearing loss, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that particular combination, these dogs go deaf. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And even now, like she is six and she still hears real good, but it's definitely, I don't know if she's just a little bit more engaged, but I feel like I got to yell a little bit louder when she's out back to come back inside these days. Yeah. So I think it's starting. We had a, a foster dachshund that was a coat combination, you know, the genes that caused this coat. It was called like double dapple or something. So it's, you know, one of those gray, mm-hmm. it, was, it was white, but also gray and black spotted. And apparently that combination is often blind and deaf or either blind or deaf or both. And the one that mm-hmm. we fostered, she was blind and she was very hard of hearing. She wasn't all the way deaf. But she was completely blind, and she was a very interesting dog. I don't know when she got adopted. It, you know, I don't know how you treat a blind dog, but she was a very yeah. sweet, sweet creature. It's just interesting how some of those like hearing and eyesight things are tied in with mm-hmm. coloring and coat. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on dog genetics, sure. but it's definitely something that I've prepared for in training her. And then she is also a uh, service animal. Okay. She is a trained office therapy dog. Oh. So she is like well-versed in navigating cubicles and office environments. She like asks before she'll approach people. Oh. She doesn't just walk up to, you know, like she knows to ask. That's um, very sweet. Just like even at home, she has a way of asking if she can come up on like the sofa when we're all watching TV or if she can come up on the bed at night if she's feeling, you know, a little particularly anxious and wants to be closer. Mm-hmm. She'll ask. She has a way of like resting her head on a thing. That's her way of asking how we taught her to do it. That's really cute. It's adorable. And it's really hard to say no to because it's adorable. <laughs> yeah. There's the problem right there. Yep. <laughs> do you ever get to take her to the office and be your therapy dog? Yes. Yeah. I have all the paperwork for her. There's not really any official therapy dog paperwork, at least in Michigan. Maybe other states or businesses have their own stuff. But I did get her registered as a emotional support therapy Mm -hmm. animal. So I have like the, no, this is a service dog. She can go where she wants kind of a thing. Like I I don't abuse it. Sure, sure. I definitely have it. I remember in college, the one thing that our university would do at the end of the semester is they would have some people bring those kind of registered support dogs on mm-hmm. campus during certain times, like finals week, so that you could, you could get some cuddles in with a registered therapy dog. <laughs> you ought to start taking her to college. I could, yeah. I bring her into work with me about once a week. Mm-hmm. Before COVID, she was going to multiple offices, oh. but that's all done now. And <laughs> that really something I want to put in the energy or effort to doing again. If like my roommate wanted to take her into work or something, that'd be one thing, uh-huh. but I'm not going to like, not going to mess with it at right. this point. That's a lot to ask right now. Yeah. But yeah, so I train pups. I've done it as, uh, you know, like friends who would get puppies sometimes have helped, you know, here and there. It's not really a business, but it's something that I enjoy. And, you know, I, I feel like a D&D ranger, you know, I got my animal <laughs> companion, you know, like. Yeah, so. that's very fantasy. <laughs> Speaking of fantasies, we have a character who has uh, quite a shocking one in this upcoming episode. We do, don't we? Quite a shocking dream, as it were. Yeah. We've got season three, episode six, Dust to Dust. 
We open on a Night Watch security guy harassing a stone order for having a anti-Clark sign up. Yeah. This is one of those things that I didn't really notice before HD, like the detail on this uh -huh. thing. I was going to say uh, this too. The kick the assassin out of Earth Dome. Mm -hmm. Not it's nice. Nice touch. Not super catchy. They need a better slogan, right? Yeah. Lock well, him uh, out. Oh, I'd be happy to. Right? Sorry. That was but his emails, <laughs> you know, something that will really resonate with people for years, whether they want it to or not. Yeah. Yeah. I thought there was an interesting touch in the scene that yeah. you might not catch if you're not listening really close. So the, mm -hmm. the store owner, when he is talking to Sheridan, you know, Sheridan happens upon the scene and asks the store owner for his opinion or, you know, his point of view mm -hmm. from what's going on. He refers to the Night Watch person as a momser. Are you, do you know what a momser is? No. I had to Google this. It is a word that is derived from Yiddish that means a contemptible person, okay. a bastard, that kind of thing. I thought it was an interesting huh. choice to use a Yiddish word considering yeah. the parallels that the Night Watch has to, for instance, Hitler's SS or, you know, yeah, Nazi Germany, that kind of thing. It's a it's a very interesting and deliberate choice to use that word. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like they don't hide the the parallels to Nazism. There's a reason that Nightwatch is that stark colored armband. Yes. Like that's that's not an accident. Right, right. If it, and if it was, it was a very happy accident that I'm sure JMS as soon as he saw the first one was just like, yes, but... But knowing our creator, no, he definitely shows that armband and yeah. did that on purpose. But I, I just liked that they threw in such a, a quick reference to it all and threw that one yish word that he uses. Yeah, that's that's clutch. So yeah, we get a bit about defending, you know, free speech. You know, the, the government's undecided. There's an investigation, like, he can say whatever he wants. It's not sedition until there's in investigation mm -hmm. you know the office is different than the person and the bootlicker is not happy about this no. <laughs> sheridan's getting reported we know it yeah this is one of those guys who has the uh punisher skull with the thin blue line right next to the don't tread on me right 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 yeah 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 the tread on me harder daddy <laughs> yeah one of those guys right we cut to Garibaldi and Ivanova, who are told by Bester that he will be on the station in seven hours. Hey. And Garibaldi is just like, fucking guy. This guy. Speaking of fascists. <laughs> right. Down in Down Below, a lurker, as what we learn later, is a terrible drug trip yeah. to theme. Yeah, this one looks bad. He thinks that a mountain is falling on yeah. him. Yeah. That sounds uncomfortable. It is rough. We get back from theme. We have uh, Delana in the war room who they bring in on the issue with Bester. Where it's just like, look, this dude's just going to rifle through our minds and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And we know a lot of things that we shouldn't know. We've done a lot of things we shouldn't have done. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we need some help. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine, especially at this point, like Sheridan knows what Kosh looks like. Uh -huh. Like, he brings that home. Bester figures that out. Yeah. Knowing he's meeting with the shadows at this point. Like, it is done. Yeah. The war starts tomorrow. Oh, that's right. We had 
Mr. Warden on the recording. Like we know that the shadows are up in Earth Dome. Yeah, so it's done. As soon as Bester puts anything, any mention of that in any report, yeah. whether or not he's aware at that point, and I'm pretty sure he is, but... Yeah, you just send a cruiser to Babylon 5 and just blow it out of the sky, right? As yeah. If you're Morden. Yeah. And you can do these things. Yeah, for sure. You know, you make up something about me. Yeah, you send a bunch of shadow ships to just blow it up. Yeah. Yeah, treason something, anything. Yeah. Ivanova has a great answer for this, which is just fucking kill him. Yeah. She's ready to blow him out of the sky when he gets there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we have that scene coming up shortly. Uh, Franklin is against it. Yeah. And Sheridan is emphatic that nobody kills anyone on his watch. And I'm just like, oh, yes. John Sheridan, famous pacifist. <laughs> no one kills anyone if it's not him doing the killing right <laughs> this is what this is unless he feels righteous about it no killing mm -hmm. delenn does have a solution to this problem though yeah delenn is oh she's full of solutions she's just mm -hmm. a fountain of useful stuff veer returns to the station for a visit after this Orlando greets him at space tsa yay he's not totally written off to Midmark. he's back yeah, well, the plan was always to have him come back in between filming on that other show that he mm -hmm. was cast for. And he leaves again at the end of this one. And I think he's the next time he's back, he's back for good. Yeah. I, I don't remember him being. That show did not last long. Yeah. Yeah. But he's gone totally native in this time he's been on Mimbar. He comes back wearing their clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gushing fondly about his trip to Europe. It's very clean. The people are very friendly and warm, except for the warrior cast. I don't think they like foreigners. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to go to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you haven't lived with, unless you say you've gone to Barcelona. He's that guy, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet coming from beer. He's a very sincere person. <laughs> it's, it's endearing compared to the people I know yeah. where they were assholes. It's endearing from, from beer. To everyone except Londo. Londo is not having yes. this. <laughs> yeah. We cut over to Metalab, uh, where the bad trip is continuing, and Dr. Franklin figures it out just in time for Bester to arrive. Ivanova clears CNC with the intention of destroying his ship, but Sheridan stops her. This is so dramatic. Yeah. It's He's so like, dramatic. Bester, when he gets on board, is just pitching a bitch be like what the hell was that you know like if he feels strong emotion right he has to be able to yeah he says i felt a grave sense of personal danger mm -hmm. he, he knows somebody here wants him dead he has to know that she's like about to pull him up which i think low-key is why he agrees i don't know that he would have otherwise to be perfectly honest agrees to the sleepers yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that in about 30 seconds, though, because Bester immediately gets escorted to Sheridan's office, and it's just Sheridan, the senior staff, and, like, 15 Minbari telepaths. <laughs> it is standing room only. Yes. These guys are great. I love their stoic <laughs> faces. They don't say anything. They just... Yeah. Their eyes are so wide. Yeah. They're just like, nope, 
nothing. No one thinks anything, <laughs> at least out loud. And the look on Sheridan's face is also quite good. This whole scene is a nice tableau, you know, of Sheridan just yeah. smugging it up amongst these very stoic, very serious Minbari telepaths. Yeah. Yeah, well, he knows, like, he doesn't get many opportunities to tell Bester to eat shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so when he gets one, <laughs> he's there. Let alone one where he can't immediately read his mind at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bester asks for it straight up, and Sheridan's just like, it's to fuck with you. You're terrible and we hate you. Also, Talia. And Bester's all like, oh, yeah, when we had her dissect, oh, um, uh, Oh, man, I don't want that to be true. I don't want that to be true, that they dissected her. Well, I will say, I do feel it's pretty likely because of uh, Jeremy Irons' gift, because of the telekinesis. It's not something that her character used a ton, but it is something that when in that season one episode, when he's running from the station, that is legit one of his fears, is that Psychor is going to take him and dissect him. He uses those yeah. words. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, the control personality must have known, right? Once it woke yeah. up that, oh, look, this body can do this. I better go get yeah. dissected now. Oh, that's sad. Probably volunteered for it, yeah. I mean, it's not like Talia comes back ever, so... Yeah. Even in the uh, JMS's Usenet notes, he was like, one of the reasons we had that recording of Talia's mind in that episode with the vicar was so that we had a way of bringing her back. Like, Uh... that is how far gone she was. And so he mentioned that in this when they're like, is Talia dissecting? He's like, I don't know, you know? We'll figure it out, but, you know, the important thing is that the Tali that you knew was dead, and the only thing of her that you would recognize is the recording that the Vicar has, that the Kosh has, I should say. somehow Kosh could have resurrected her in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah, If she ever wanted to come back to the show, or could have come back to the show. Because at one point it was she couldn't, and then at one point it was she wouldn't. (laughs) So... There's all that. All right. Well, they basically give Bester a choice. Yeah. They tell Bester that he can either agree to take some sleepers that Dr. Franklin has somehow whipped up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he got the recipe from Psychor or something. (laughs) He can be on the sleepers and, you know, all of his telepathic abilities repressed for the whole time he's on the station. Or Mm -hmm. they will always have the Bimbari telepaths around. They will be present the whole episode. Yep. And he knows the makeup budget, so he volunteers for the suppression drug. Yeah. Very generous. And I gotta say, Walter Koenig's acting in this moment, Uh the, like, the bit where he takes the drug and is just all like, look, I'm a team player. You guys are the assholes. Like, this whole bit. He is making a bid for Emmy for Best Guest Star and for Sassy Magazine's Best Damn Moment. In one go. <laughs> it is fantastic. This is iconic Bester in this episode. For sure. We've had two episodes now because he's he's been at least once per season, right? But this is him at his best. He's very good this whole time. Yeah. 
And this is, yeah, this is his third appearance and his first of the season. He Uh is back before the season ends. And I only say that without a spoiler tag because JMS was very open about that on the Usenet Mm -hmm. notes before this episode even aired. He wanted people to know in advance. Not ruining the experience for anyone. He's not just a one and done in the season. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, he wanted him back more and more. The drama ramps up whenever he's around. For sure. We cut to Delenn mediating between the Centauri and the Drazi. The Centauri are pushing for now seven of their colony worlds up from two (laughs) and threatens the entire destruction and genocide of the Drazi homeworld just very casually. Yeah, this is so, this is such a turn for Londo. I mean, yeah, that he's so casual about this. Mm -hmm. You know, the Narn there was like that deep seated hatred that they had between the, the two races for a long, long time. The Drazi for yeah. us comes out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. he's never expressed any problems with the Drazi, any contempt either for the Drazi people, you know? And so this is yeah. just an extra layer on his kind of evil cake. Most of them storm out, but Veer has a chance to thank Delenn and Lanier for their help in his assignment to Mimbar. We get a nice little moment, and they're just like, you know, like, Londo will come around. You know, it's not that bad. And they're just like, are you serious? Are you listening to him right now? He's all like, oh, you guys just don't know him like I do. They're still good in him. Yeah. Poor Veer. He's such a battered wife. Ugh. Like, Londo is full on, like turn to the dark side vader at this point yeah like there's no there is no easy way back i i think delenn says it really i think it's delenn that you know one is scared and one is foolish referring mm-hmm. to either him or the drowsy but no one knows which i think i think it's veer says it but then she says who who is who you know who's scared yeah. who's foolish uh this is very very ominous we cut back to Sheridan's office and they talk about the dust. They talk about the experience of doing dust. You live someone's uh-huh. entire life in a few minutes. Yikes. No thanks. Um, Hard pass. <laughs> like, yeah, but can we do this safely? Like, this is obviously a substance that is running around, right? It is not being used uh-huh. in controlled environments. Right. Sure. Um, can Is there a way to use this, like... If you have a couple telepaths in the room to guide the experience or something, you know, you got some some mind sitters. Like, <laughs> can you imagine the practical application? Like, oh, I want to learn Japanese, right? Oh, sure. So okay. A 10 year old Japanese kid in front of me. You know, who knows what's going on? This is all on the up and up, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a guided experience of him learning the language natively and okay. you learn okay. native Japanese in minutes. Right. I mean, that would be a cool application. All I can think about is like, I have enough trouble living my own life. I don't want to go and live somebody else's home very yeah. fast. Yeah, I'm not interested in the in the full raw dog experience of this. Yeah, um, no but I feel like I feel like if the substance can be altered or mm-hmm. guided, there's a lot of practical experience. Can you imagine like yeah. on the job training, like you get a new yeah. job and okay, here's a telepath and your coworker Bob. And you're going to do get a year of on-job experience in 30 seconds. Man. <laughs> of just him so doing great. his job, just his eight hours at work every day, you know, yeah. of the last year. Like, just can yeah. you imagine how much 
you could learn, like how much I you think... can grow. It's crazy. Not to mention the empathy, like sure, the actual yeah. lived experience of living someone else's life for bits. Mind blowing. Yeah. They'd make they'd make it movies and stuff. Like you'd live the experience. It'd be crazy. You could do all yeah. kinds of stuff. You might be able to solve a lot of problems that we have today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or that they have. Yeah. But that's not what Psychor. Yeah. Well, we find out the, the bad news the is that. Yeah. The other person, the person's mind you read that makes them brain dead, we find out in about 30 seconds. And so yeah. I have wrote this whole giant tangent about the practical applications of controlled dust. Like, oh, this is so cool. And then it's all like, and then you're brain dead. I'm just like, oh, shit. You just killed that 10 year old <laughs> Japanese kid. <laughs> Right. Oh, not good. Not good. Not going to work. Back to the drawing board. Yeah. Buster is uh, Buster on the lookout. Buster. That should be our name for him. Buster. Buster. Yeah. Like from uh, Jingle All the Way. Buster mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay. is uh, he works for a large dust dealer, right? Um, there's someone active on the station. He illustrates the threat to planetary security. It's just like, can you imagine someone who would want a weapon that they could use like this? You know, where that you could smuggle <laughs> it super easily and all this stuff and like goes on to why it's a problem. And it immediately cuts to Jakar like while he's still talking almost like before he has a yeah. chance to exhale his sentence. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. And he's there buying a bunch of dust to weaponize for the resistance but before he commits, he has to have a free sample to see if uh, Narns can even use this shit. Yeah, because we remember famously Narns don't have telepaths. So mm-hmm. if dust is specifically linked to like the telepath gene or whatever it is in humans that causes telepathy, maybe dust isn't even going to work for a Narn. Yeah, I would lean towards it's at least partially genetically compatible given we see them reaching out to humans to try and get some Narn telepaths. That's, that's mm-hmm. been a thing we've seen true a couple of times, <laughs> I think in different levels of fucking grossness uh, right. and raw layers of skis. Uh, it's always women but, that they're reaching out to, isn't it? It's always uh, women. Uh, uh, anyway, oh God, that pilot's so bad. Anyways, Garibaldi and Bester play Buddy Acab talking about the sleep of the just. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just the uh, yeah. Bester goes on a full black ops rant here. Just like we do the things you, you don't even know need to be done so that you can sleep at night. Like, uh-huh. yeah, cool. I, I, and Bester like draws parallels between himself and Garibaldi, but mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> no, no, they're not, not entirely wrong. But Garibaldi is a little uncomfortable with this analysis of his position. Yeah, this is one of JMS's two checkboxes for the episode. He had noted after it had aired that Bester had been on the show three times now, and he mm-hmm. had been made a fool of both times. Mm-hmm. So well, he needed to, this episode, he needed to be right about something. And he needed to win. That was the clear lines going into this episode as JMS wrote it for Bester to keep him a credible threat. Otherwise, he's a clown. Right. Right. Exactly. You take away his credibility if you 
if he always loses, right? Yeah. We don't sense any level of threat. This is where he's right. This is that checkbox. Is he yeah. is more like Garibaldi than Garibaldi is comfortable knowing or yeah, dealing with. True. We go back to Jakar's completely trashed quarters as he's tripping on dust. As he yeah, mentally searches eyes. for Londo to commercial. Yeah, his eyes are huge. Yeah, he's like nothing but pupil. We come back to Jakar on a lift as he starts to hear voices. And after this, we cut to Garibaldi and Bester interrogating a local crime leader of some variety. Yeah. As Bester fakes reading his minds in a bit that would make John Edwards proud. Yeah. Ashi spills the beans. This is very good. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's Morganston. You know, his shipment comes in. I've, I'm not complicit, but I heard all this stuff. Sure you're not. But yeah, Garibaldi's pretty upset because he feels mm-hmm. like Bester's act was so convincing. He's convinced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's all like, hey, is that drug not working? Can you read my mind right now? Because I'm thinking bad things about you. <laughs> and Bester's all like, no, you're just gullible. As if Bester would give that away. Right. <laughs> I mean, what's he going to say? Yes, I can read your mind. Like, that's a stupid question, Garibaldi. <laughs> but, okay. Um, like, you've never lied to someone in interrogation before, Garibaldi? Come on. Yeah, definitely not on this show at any yeah. point. No. You, you, a police officer would lie during interrogation to get someone to admit something they may or may not be guilty of? What? <laughs> Not to recommend a podcast on a podcast, but there's a really good recent recent episode of The Hidden Rain about that, about, you know, police tactics on mm-hmm. getting confessions and how many confessions turn out to be totally wrong, like totally made up because yeah. of too much police influence. It's a pretty recent episode, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, find The Hidden Rain. Very good. Over at Lando's quarters, they were viewing Veer's post on Mimbar and its people, which he just tears to shreds. Just like this report, oh, he's yeah. just like, oh, leaving the bit about them being religious fanatics. That always scares them. But it's just <laughs> like, they're a kind people. Oh, their economy's failing, you know? It's like, they're ancient structures. <laughs> he's really giving it the Alex Jones, you know? Yeah. He's for like, sure. Just let's just how can we conspiracy this up a bit? And uh, mm. Lando's an expert for sure. We do get a really good Douglas Adams line in here. Uh, the universe yeah. is already mad, anything else would be redundant. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is very Douglas. Yeah, and then Jakar opens a door, hulks out on Veer, and then yeah. and then to the, the parlance of the episode that Bester used earlier was mind rape. Which, uh, and he just goes full on for Londo. Yeah. We knew it was going to happen. We get regular assault on Veer, but special mind assault on Londo. Yeah. We cut over to Bester and Garibaldi on a stakeout talking shit. Uh, we get the famous pinata line here, and then the deal goes down. And if you'll forgive me the pun, they get busted. That's Bester's job, man. We cut to Londo, who has been physically tortured. Yeah. And then we begin touring Londo's mind. Mm-hmm. An interesting place. Yeah. So we get a bit of scenes here 
where it's like Londo's over the shoulder and there's a black void and he's having a conversation with Jakar and he'll like turn around and Jakar will be there behind him and in front of him at both times, kind of in different poses. Mm -hmm. This is an homage to the prisoner, the, the original, the classic, not the remake. I, they might've done this in the remake too, to be perfectly honest. I don't remember, but if you haven't seen it, classic TV, this was done very deliberately to mimic a scene from that show. So that's okay. your fun TV history fact for the day. We see Jakar learn Lando got his job as a joke. Oh yeah, this is very sad. We get a flashback to Lando's dealings with Morden in the shadows. Um, he goes deeper and deeper. He sees Lando's schemes. He sees Lando's dreams of the future with him as emperor and dying at Jakar's hands. Yeah. In those flashes. He gets, oh. He gets too much information here. Like, he gets a he ton of a information. Yeah. It is confirmed by JMS that Jakar is aware of his future killing Londo with them killing each other. Like, yeah. they both know this now, uh, which is super this interesting is the to moment, me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the moment he knows now. And then we get, there's a lot of flashes, there's a lot of stuff. Some of it is visions Lando has had. Some of it is stuff that has already happened. It's all very quick. Mm -hmm. There are the average scene like cut in this is just under a second. This took forever to edit. Apparently this like it's like 45, whatever it is. Second bit took hours upon hours upon hours of editing. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. Do we get uh, Jaquan in here yet? We go to Jalan, which is Jakar's okay. father, first, hanging okay. in the tree. That's right. That's right. And he has a conversation with his father. Like, he hears someone, like, interrupts this vision. Someone stops it, and Jakar turns and sees his father hanging in the tree, as we were told happened a season ago, two seasons ago, whatever right. it was. The cycle of violence will either be stopped or consume both races until extinction. We get a lot about how they're both the Centauri and the Narn are dying races and how Jakar yeah. can make sure that the Narn die for something yeah. in the Great War. <laughs> there's there's a bit there. And there's a lot of language that is used here that is very deliberate, where if you were cognizant of it, I mean, it's hard to say how much... I knew because I knew, know this is Kosh. Like, I knew this was Kosh before this scene started. Yeah, yeah. So it was, like, very obvious to me because I already knew. Um, I imagine if this was your first time viewing, you might pick up on a little bit of the language. He doesn't, like, do the I'm always there kind of thing. I was always here until the end, which is kind of, like, one of his yeah. lines. But there is a bit yeah. of it that's just, like, the dying races, you know, the... You know, the fight, the struggle, the sacrifice. There's kind of, it's not full on Kosh language riddles, but it's close. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of like rhyming with how Kosh speaks. Yeah. I'm the sort of person that sometimes these things uh, just sort of escape me. And I had forgotten that it was yeah. Kosh, you know, that big reveal at the end of the scene. Not, maybe not the scene, but there's a big reveal that this is Kosh. And I'm realizing now that he basically interrupted and stopped him. He stopped Jakar from going any farther. I think that's really interesting, especially because we know that the Narn were a shadow-influenced world, at least. Even if there wasn't 
a ton of influence on their people. Mm -hmm. We know that Jakar has in the book that there was a shadow ship, at least on Narn. They had a colony on the southern continent. Yeah. Which is important for later. Yeah. Kosh interfering here is he's trying to, to get the, the Narn kind of back on his track, back on the right track. Mm -hmm. He's deliberately meddling in what was once a pawn yeah. of the shadows. A hundred percent. This, this is huge moment. This is, this is the turning point for Jakar as a character. A hundred percent. This is probably the most important moment of Jakar's life. Yep. And it's Kosh. And, and it's Kosh. And it's Kosh for like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, he thinks it's God too, which is. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, sort of sad, we see the it? Vorlon angel thing and we know it's a Vorlon. He does not know it's a Vorlon. You know, he thinks it's Jaquan. Right. The, just a side note on the scene with Jalan hanging from the tree, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the scene that we see, he's he's hanging from his arms. Yes. Right. I think if that scene was on TV today, he's not hanging from his arms. He's hanging from his neck. Right. Like more than likely. I'm thinking yeah. that was a that was maybe a standard of back in the back in the 90s. But today this, we'd probably be a little more. Relaxed. This aired after Roots. I got to feel like. If anything was the turning point for that culturally being a thing that would be on TV, yeah. it would probably have been Roots. Yeah. But I well, don't know. Those we were kids. Slowly. <laughs> yeah. I don't have fully developed <laughs> memory. My brain was a fucking pile of goo at that point. It's hard to say. Right. <laughs> Mine is still a barely formed pile of goo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so interesting. Yeah. This uh, JMS called this that moment jakar's gandhi moment in his notes yeah very much so it's just mm -hmm. a very bitter touch that it is gosh it's it's his gandhi moment it's super spiritual it's enlightening and it's an alien influence it's just it's just gosh yeah yeah it's almost like the show was written by an atheist and sometimes he can be really cool about spirituality <laughs> in other cultures and then sometimes he does stuff like this yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, at least on the scale, this is kind of, it's more subtle, you know? Yeah, at least. for it's sure. Not like, it's not a Richard Dawkins coming in and hammering <laughs> on something, right? That is true. It could be worse. Yeah. And we see, you know, as, as he wakes yeah. up, Jakar kind of, it dawns on him when he's done the Wando and, and, and everything, just everything dawns on him and he mm -hmm. does cry. Yeah there as we see Kosh revealed in the background. Mm -hmm. Over in MedLab, Veer is watching over Lando. Yeah. And we cut over to Jakar at the station court before the Omsbudsman. Mm -hmm. He Oh, I guess we still have a judge. Yeah, he's brought before the uh, Omsbudsman, which is actually, that's an actual thing. I, I wasn't aware of this until earlier today when I Googled it. But specifically, an Omsbudsman is someone in an organization who deals with complaints levied against people in authority in that organization. Huh. Okay, so an ambassador is a person of authority yeah. on that one. Well, it, I guess Jakar's not an ambassador anymore, but... Yeah, it doesn't really make sense in yeah. its modern context, okay. but it's almost like titles and words can change over time, so... Yeah, <laughs> weird, right? Crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so Jakar pleads guilty. He gets 60 days in the brig. 
Garibaldi goes yeah. to return him his book of Jaquan and he's all like, nah, nah, I don't need that no more. I am, I'm closer to the source now. Yeah. 60 days, to fair. <laughs> he assaulted somewhat to someone. He assaulted two someones, uh, possibly more on his way there. I don't, well, actually, no, yeah. because the, the judge actually makes a point of being all like, no, it wasn't just the drugs because he didn't assault right. anyone else on the way there. So, no. He, he premeditated. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And not just the salt like they were both incapacitated. Yeah. They were both not conscious. Yeah. They had to ask if Lando was going to make it. Uh, and 60 days, huh? Weird choice. But I have a feeling that perhaps the Centauri will have something in mind for after 60 days. I would guess that would be the case. Yeah. We'll see. Remember that. For every Centauri killed, we're going to kill 500 Narns or something. Mm -hmm. What about a Centauri gravely injured, right? Mm -hmm. Lando will be merciful. It'll only be 250. Right. Oh, fucking God. We cut to Veer and Lando recovering in Lando's quarters after this. Veer is required to leave soon because Homeworld is taking his role seriously. He ha They say he has to go back for a thing. He has to be there. It's oh. important that he's be there. And Lando's like, that's good. They don't think you're a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Same, he's remembering. The unspoken, yeah. So, and if, hey, if there's anywhere that I've got to rest up and relax and recover my from my broken ribs or whatever that Veer has, like Minbar, that's the place to do it, right? A better bet than B5, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might get blown up again on B5. Yeah. Well, you, your doctor is properly sedated off of B5, lest yeah. we forget. Over in space, TSA, Garibaldi sees Bester to his transport as another Psycop. Hey, that's Walter Koenig's wife again. Oh, is it? We were wondering that. Where we learn that the Psycor created dust in an attempt to awaken yeah. more human minds to being telepaths. Yeah. So, and not only did they create dust, but they have gotten very concerned that it could have gotten an alien hand. Yes. We want to create more human telepaths. Yeah, for sure. None of the other races get that good good. And then uh, we get a Jakar focusing in on his experience in jail, thinking about what had happened to him to end credits. Yeah. So, Laura, using our, our, our scale of Babylon's one to Babylon five, how do you feel about this episode? This is a Babylon five out of five for me. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. I don't know. It, it's got the, from, from the poetic title, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, a very nice double meaning of words to getting Jakar's turnaround to meeting more about Londo's past and how he's you know was a joke and that's part of why he's so determined to make a name for himself mm -hmm. and be better than the joke that everyone thought he was and it's gone horribly wrong now like the the story in this is just so excellent. And then the turn at the end. Yeah. Where we find out this isn't just a recreational drug that just happened upon the scene. Mm -hmm. like, it's all been part of Psychor all along. Like, that's all really good substance to me. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy this episode. When the dealer is talking to his supplier earlier and he says, you've been keeping the boys in the lab busy. That takes on a whole uh -huh. new meaning when you know that it's being mass produced by Psychor. Exactly. Yeah. That's the good stuff. That's that Babylon 5 good stuff yeah. that, that I live for. Yeah, that's that low-key uh, Reagan imported cocaine into the United States 
commentary that I'm here for. What about you? I really like this episode. It is not one of my all-time favorites, but it is a solid four, four and a half out of five for me. It's right on the cusp of being one of my favorite episodes of the series. It's great. Yeah, there's really... I don't have a whole lot bad to say about this episode, so... Mm Yeah, I don't have any of those plot holes that we felt in the last couple. Where exactly, we're like, yeah. What about this? What about that? Yeah, I don't the, have that. The don't one line of dialogue that can improve an episode. I don't have one for this episode, right. except maybe not using the term mind rape, but, you know, the yeah. 90s, I guess. Right, right. I, but I, if, if we were writing this episode today, that might be one of those things that changed, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not but a deal breaker for or me. Or maybe, maybe they make it worse, you know, to further illustrate, yeah. you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, great app. Love this app. Mm-hmm. Next one, I don't remember, I think. I know. Read us the description. We'll see if we get any more out of it. We've got season three, episode seven, Exogenesis. Marcus and Franklin investigate a series of deaths caused by a mysterious parasite. Shadow vessels amass near Centauri space. Marcus confesses a fondness for Ivanova. There's two out of three events there that I kind of remember, and it doesn't sound like they're the A plot. <laughs> no, the A plot. I'm thinking. I yeah. I'm immediately thinking of the season one episode with the archaeologist and the shadow orb uh-huh. tech turning that dude In- into infection. the shitty Mega Man. Yeah, like that's what this sounds like to me, and I know that's not it because that episode was two seasons ago. Yeah. It sounds very Monster of the Week, though, yeah. like that episode was. So that's my guess for A-plot next time. Yep. Kind of remember the other two events, looking forward to seeing exactly what they were. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. But this week, we still have to say a couple of thank yous. Thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our absolutely lovely theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Deck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thank you to everyone who listens and reviews the podcast. I posted in the Discord. We got our Spotify wrapped today. And knowing yeah. that we are actually some people's top podcast is mind-blowing to me. It was delightful to see. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you, everyone, who left reviews mm-hmm. uh, of our podcast as well on iTunes. I did actually log into the iTunes and read all of those today. And I really appreciate all of your kind words. Yeah, me too. Um, so thank you all for doing that. Uh, shoot us email, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. Hop on our Discord, join our conversations. Every week we're talking about episodes, B5, some memes sometimes, some recasting stuff. It's a great time, great place to be, and it's significantly better than Twitter. Uh, <laughs> given this episode airs a month from recording, I'm going to guess it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take much these days, but I promise our Discord is good. Speaking of which, I uninstalled Twitter from my phone, so sorry if you've been trying to reach us on there. Yeah, maybe reach out on Facebook or, or Discord. Uh, I should, I should, I need to check our Twitter. You'll get a faster response. All right, well, I'm going to do that. I'll do that before next week, Internet. But we'll see you. Bye. Bye.